Don't make me turn this podcast around. You're listening to the Reno Dads podcast. We're dads talking about dad stuff. We're doing the dad thing in the biggest little city in the world, Reno, Nevada. But we're talking about things that all dads and parents can relate to. We'll share fatherly war stories, discuss manly things, and even get into the tender moments of fatherhood. We want you to be a part of the conversation, so join us and listen in. Oh, and be warned, dad jokes ahead. All right, and welcome back to the next episode of the Reno Dads podcast. I have a very special guest in the studio this week, um, this episode, and I'm really excited. Uh, we have Sheriff Darren Balaam here with us. Um, we would, we're really interested in talking to dads and prominent dads in, this, uh, in the city, in the area, in northern, uh, northern Nevada area. So thank you so much for coming in. Absolutely. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. Yeah. So um, one of the things I'm sort of new to Reno, I was telling you before we got started here, and I don't really know kind of the like the role of the sheriff just generally. What does the sheriff do for Washoe County? So uh, the sheriff has a very significant role. So there are 17 sheriffs in the 17 counties. They're constitutional officers, so they're in our constitution. So for every sheriff in each county, so for Washoe, um, we have five mandates. So we have to maintain a, a jail. So I operate the regional detention facility. Okay. We have to have bailiffs in the district courthouse with a population under 750. So everybody but Clark County has bailiffs. We have to have a search and rescue. So if you get lost out in the wilderness, every sheriff has to have a search and rescue. We have to do civil processing. And then we do patrol and what we call the un unincorporated. Um, but truly the role of sheriff is not the unincorporated um, because that was one thing I learned during the campaign yeah. is residents in city of Sparks and Reno, they're like, well, I, I can't vote for you. And I'm like, well, yes, you can because the cities are in the county. So for an elected official, Although we may patrol in the unincorporated, I serve all 465,000 people. Right. Of all of, all of Washoe of County. Of all yeah. the whole county. So, right. you know, we, we have our city partners and we work well together. Um, we're, when we can collaborate, we do. Yeah. Um, but those are the biggest things about different between a sheriff and a police department. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, I'm from the East Coast originally. So, uh, I mean, we have sheriffs in, I guess we had sheriffs in Fairfax County in Virginia, mm -hmm. um, the Commonwealth. Um, and I know that you know, other you know states have them as well, and that we have the state troopers, of course. Um, so I'm not sure if there's a, also a statewide uh, law enforcement as well, or is there, how does the sheriff fit in with that? So there, there is. So we have the Nevada Highway Patrol, but kind of like the East Coast, they're different. So a lot of the sheriffs on the East Coast have given up a lot of their authority. So they traditionally now will maintain uh, a jail right. and the courthouse, and that's it. Um, a lot of the sheriffs on the West Coast still have those five kind of mandates, and so for us, the highway patrol, unlike state troopers kind of back east, they're like the catch-all. They go and help the smaller rules. Um, for Nevada Highway Patrol, they do have an investigative side, but they maintain most of the highways right. and boulevards uh, and do all of the traffic and stuff on there. And then the sheriffs maintain the entire county. All right. Well, how are you finding it? I mean, I know this is a new role for you. So you just started, what, a few months ago? January 7th. Yeah. Wow. That was a pretty big deal. It, it, it was uh, one of the highlights of my career. I'll bet. I'll bet. And how are you balancing now this uh, obviously very visible, very prominent role with being a dad? I mean, I know you have uh, kids of a, a pretty wide range. So you know, how is that working out? So it, it's a challenge. Yeah. Um, but being in law enforcement for over two decades, you kind of learn going through you know, working those various shifts and getting called out. Um, but what I would tell you uh, of how I'm balancing is I have a great partner. So uh, with my wife, we, we are a great team. And so she kind of helps me keep in check sometimes when, you know, you, you have that, well, I have this engagement. Somebody's called and they want, you know, the sheriff. 
Um, and well, she'll yeah, coming remind, into the studio here, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, and she'll say, well, you know, again, uh, my twins that are the middle, uh, they're going to graduate in less than five weeks. They keep they have the countdown down. So she'll remind me of those important dates. And, of course. And so that's, you know, I always listen to my family. That's important. Um, and you guys have been in Nevada for a generation. Born and raised. Fifth, I'm a fifth generation. That's a thing around here. It's a big thing around here. Yep. You, you, yep. You, you run into people and they're like, well, what? And you're like, yeah, I'm a fifth generation. And, so uh, um, how many years does that mean? 100? 120? Over, over 100. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And your family has never ventured. I mean, you have, uh, I think you have uh, family in other states now? or. Uh, so I have, uh, actually, all of my close family is still in the state oh, of Nevada. Okay. Uh, but there are a lot of them are in the rules. So uh, my, my, my parents came from Smith Valley and Earrington, just east of here. Um, and most of my you know, relatives back east were either miners or farmers. Oh, wow. Um, and, and as I joke with my cousins, my two parents were the two out of both sides of the family that came to the city. So I was the city slicker of the uh, all the Wait, cousins. like Reno the city? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take issue with that. But that's okay because <laughs> yeah. I'm from New York and I think of Reno as – it's a cute little – town it's a cute little oh town. yeah compared to new york yeah, yeah. we're tiny yeah well it's all it's all good it's mm-hmm. a it's a good um it's a good uh sized city for you know the things that we get to do here and the, the proximity that we have obviously to all the great stuff outdoors oh. i mean i've really i've really enjoyed my time here i've only like i said been here a couple years and i've really just you know d- been diving into everything i can get my hands on it's just been a lot of fun yeah we're spoiled here yeah well i mean it's, it's a great uh location to be in mm-hmm. um so one of the things I was thinking about when I, you know, we sort of started planning this interview was I was wondering, like, what are some of the real um, family-related impacts that the sheriff has? Like, I, I, you know, I know that you have those, the five areas that you mentioned, mm-hmm. but what are the things that, you know, that really, I think, um, I was hoping we could focus on, it's like, what does the sheriff do that really helps support families in, in Washoe County? You know, so one of the things we do um, through one of our organizations, honorary deputies, is we do shop with the sheriff. So every Christmas we take 200 kids mm-hmm. uh, and honorary deputy sheriffs, you, you can, you know, it's a nonprofit and deputies, they get to take a, a young child. Um, I think it's K through sixth grade. Okay. And, you know, they're of the lower socioeconomic and you get to take them shopping with mm-hmm. uh, $200. And it's one of the neatest things we can do. And that's one of the focuses of the sheriff's office moving forward that I want to focus on is, you know, I, I tell people law enforcement as a whole, just not the sheriff's office, we can affect every aspect of the community. And when we talk about families, we can have a positive or we can have a negative. Right. And for me, it's about uh, having that positive impact, whether it's, it's going into the schools and being that mentor and helping those families that, you know, may have that child that's going through a rough time. And and so we step in and and help them mentor. Right. Um, Or it's for those families that maybe somebody's made a mistake. They've ended up on our facility. And, And that's one of our core things of looking at why we have them. How do we rehabilitate them to get them back to their family? Sure. Sure. Um, you know, because we have a, a, in fact, this morning it was 1,130 inmates sitting in the detention facility. So there's a large population there and a lot of them have families. And so for me, it's, it's that impact of maybe they're on that, that bumpy road. Right. How do we get them straightened? How do we get them those services so that when they go back, they can get back with their family, stay out in this community and, and go on to have a, a long lasting, healthy life. Um, and, and not for those that aren't in our facility. It's about helping. You right. know, being that person there to either mentor them or get into the schools. And so for me, that's the role I see as a sheriff of how we can have. How big is the sheriff's um, force? How, how big is the... So I have uh, 754 employees. Okay. 
418 of those employees are deputy sheriffs, and then the rest are civilian staff mm -hmm. or non-commissioned, as we call them. Right. Um, so it's a very large organization. Organization. We have uh, the budget this year is 119 million. So we're the largest budget in the county. Um, so we, we, we reach out and touch a lot of individuals to this community. And, you know, what I tell patrol, detention, administration, courts is it's those interactions you have every single day. It's every touch point, every touch point. It's sort of like yep. a customer service type of thing. Almost. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, we can use it for recruiting. You can use it to have that positive impact. So always remember when you engage somebody, mm -hmm. even if you're going home or even if it's your neighbor and you're off duty, you still have that impact because they know who you are. Mm -hmm. So always, you know, remember that. What's the pathway for somebody if they are interested in becoming, uh, you know, a sheriff or deputy sheriff? Like, I mean, obviously you're an elected official, but like, how do they go? What what is what's a typical sort of career path for somebody? So most of the career paths two ways. One, either they have to be 21. Yeah. So um, they go to college, they get their degree, and then they test. Um, we all have different type of tests, but they're similar because um, they're through our Nevada Post, which is Peace Officers um, Training. Mm -hmm. um, and they kind of record or um, oversee our training. Mm -hmm. So you take a written test, you test high enough, then you go through a whole background, a medical, a psychological, um, a polygraph. Right. And then you start your career. And for us in the sheriff's office, you start in the detention facility and then you work your way out to patrol or you can go, you know, a wide variety. Do you have like the detective levels too? Or I mean, how, how does it sort of work similarly to sort of a, a police department? I mean, I'm not as familiar mm -hmm. with the sort of the ranks. So similarly, except for us, um, you have to go to patrol before you go to detective. Yeah. So they, they have a little bit of time, but for for like deputy sheriffs, what I tell them, again, when you're in the facility, you those are the same people that you're going to run into out on the street. And so learn how to talk to them, learn learn their language, learn that, you know, and build that rapport mm -hmm. um, and that, that basic common human dignity because you're going to run into them on the street. Mm -hmm. And then that prepares them, um, I think, especially for deputy sheriffs, because you're in a... Um, a housing unit with 112 inmates right and there's one to two deputies so you, you quickly have to learn you know to treat people with respect they may have committed a crime but either they're in there and they're innocent until proven guilty or they've been convicted and they're they're serving their time and they're they're hopefully rehabilitating and going back out so for us it's that few years and then they go to patrol and then they can work the detectives and then we have a whole bunch of other stuff so i know you're more on the law enforcement side the sort of the execution side of things in terms of policy. Do you have an influence over what policy that, you know, sort of Washoe County and the state kind of enacts so that you can do your job better? What kind of things are you involved with with, with respect to policy? You know, some of the policies like right now we're diving into the homeless. Sure. Because um, homelessness is not a crime. So again, for me, the way I look at the position of the sheriff um, is like any other CEO. If the CEO of Microsoft calls you, people are going to come to the table. And so for me, it's about getting that county commission um, mm -hmm. of those policies and how we can engage in addiction, mental health, homelessness. For us, the, those are big policies that affect this community, not only on the law enforcement, right. but in our daily lives. So, yeah. you know, for me, it's, it's, it's bringing those experiences that I see day in and day out and using the office of sheriff to get the right people to the table so that we can form those policies. Right. I mean, if somebody ends up in your facility and they have a mental health issue, I mean, how are they getting services and how, how are we doing, what are we doing to help them get the services they need? I mean, you're, you're sort of right there in the intersection of all of that. Absolutely. And, and what people really don't realize is we are the largest mental health facility in the northern Nevada, our detention facility. 
Um, about so, how many uh, how many inmates or how many uh, folks in the in the facility would you say need those services on about an average? Eighty percent. Is that right? So about eight hundred inmates have wow. some type either mental health and addiction. They're all right. mental health issues. Um, so it, we have a very large population, and so some of the core focuses we're doing now is we're starting to bring programs in. So one of them is Hopes. Oh, okay. Um, nonprofit. We yeah, now uh, partnered with them five months ago. They come into our our units. And we have hope workers explain to the inmates what services they provide. And then they hand out applications. We turn them back into hopes. They get signed up. And then traditionally, when we release somebody from our facility, they get released at 5 in the morning. If they have no money, we give them a bus pass. So if you're qualified for hopes in years past, we'd say, you know, here's your bus pass. Good luck getting to hopes. Now hopes brings a van up. And so at 2 in the afternoon, we work with the courts. We get those individuals that are qualified for any of the services at hopes. And they transport those those individuals over yeah. to Hope. So in the five months we've done that, we've transported over 100 plus individuals. But the more important number is out of those individuals, 30% have gone back for follow-ups. So that's one of them. And then a lot right now is finding there's so many nonprofits out there getting them to the table and then saying, you know, what service do you provide? And we're working to bring them into our facility while we have right. individuals in there. So we can educate because you would think, you know, this population that's in the jail, they, they know services. Well, I can tell you they don't. Right. And so it, it's linking them and then more importantly, focusing on, and we have a discharge planner up at the jail. We're trying to get a second one. So when you get released, we've already linked you up. We've signed you up and we're going to work on transportation to getting you there. So that's yeah. some of the focus we're doing. Well, I mean, that's huge because I, I mean, I think that there are a lot of people who probably don't know that that those services, well, there's a whole host of things here that you just mentioned that yeah. I could go into, because it seems like you're right in the intersection of all of these things. The you know the sort of folks who find themselves, like you said, on a bumpy road, f and then needing services to sort of support them as they you know finish whatever time they have there, or if they get you know sort of discharged because they get you know sort of adjudicated that way, then where do they go? Like, what are they, what, what's next for them so that they can't, so that they're not sort of, you know, in a revolving door situation and coming back to you a couple weeks later? So, yeah, and so for that's what we're trying to focus on right now, because that's been the gap in my 20 plus years of watching yeah. is, you know, we may provide them with some services while they were incarcerated. Yeah. And then again, we tell them, you know, good luck. They fall off their meds or, or they go back to the easy path. And so right now, again, if you talk about beds, we don't have enough beds in right. our community, unfortunately. But if we effectively utilize those beds we have and we identify them while they're incarcerated and then link them, mm -hmm. and now we transport them to those facilities instead of here's your bus pass, good luck, um, that's how we're going to provide them with those services and, and bridge that gap. And so we may not be able to affect them all, yeah. but we're going to start, as the old saying goes, you know, you don't eat an elephant in one one meal. You take one bite at a time. And sure. so that's what we're focusing on right now. And I had Grant Denton in here a few weeks ago for the for the podcast, and he is just a whirlwind oh. of energy around these types of services. Once they're out of sort of detention, hopefully, mm -hmm. and in a sort of, you know, sort of um, transition period, and they've got, you know, some services, he gets them in the gym. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen this, but he does a great job of working them through, you know, sort of exercise and like getting them off of that sort of path uh, and getting them into a cycle of sort of health and fitness. Yeah. And, and a great story with Grant. So we, we linked with them and we, we have a karma box. Oh, good. Yeah. In front of the sheriff's office. But yeah. uh, we had him and Pat Cashel come in two weeks ago. Yeah. And I just saw him last week. And so they came into one housing unit 
and they shared their personal stories right. because it's right. different from a uniform telling yeah. inmates because we have that control over them yeah. versus somebody that's been there, done that. And what he told me was after that one visit, they had, I believe it was two to three individuals once they were released, go seek out Grant and ambassadors and say, I- I'm here for those services. That's great. And so, yeah, Grant is, yeah. is a great thing. Shane, I had Shane Whitecloud in here too. You've, I'm sure you know yes. him and, his, and the veteran services too. Mm-hmm. How do you interact with the veteran, I mean, sort of veteran services too? Because I know part of the homelessness problem is, you know, also a veteran's problem. So one of the things we're, we're looking at is once we consolidated everything within our facility that deals with programs and linking individuals, now we're looking at our population within the facility. Right. And, um, how large is our veteran population or how large is our 18 to 24? And so with veterans, what what our goal is, is to hopefully have two housing units that has individuals that are 18 to 24 and we dump services into there, which they've done it across the nation. Yeah. And then a veterans unit. And they, again, have established these throughout the nation where you it doesn't matter they're charged as long as they're not violent offenders. Right. Um, but you put them all in the housing unit because, again, they've been there, done that. And they, they, they know what each other has gone through. Yeah. Because a lot of them have experienced that. And then you dump services in there. So that's where we're focusing with the veterans. Um, and outside with the homeless, how do we link those individuals before they even come? Because if we can make a dent there, then we can reassert our resources to go f- you know, find those individuals that are truly causing damage in our community. Right. And you work with other sheriffs, I, I presume, from the other counties, and you guys uh, share best practices. How often do you guys get together? So we get together, actually, not only sheriffs, though, but um, chiefs, the police. So oh, okay. we have what's called the Nevada Sheriff's Chiefs and Police. So we get together four times a year. Um, in fact, our meeting is tomorrow in Carson City for oh, nice. one of our quarterly meetings. And so that's where we share best practices. That's where we share our experiences. But more importantly with the sheriffs, um, if I have a, 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 an issue in the jail, in the courts, in patrol, I'll call not only my chiefs if they have a patrol, but for detention since most police chiefs don't. I'll call the sheriffs on a regular basis and say, you know, hey, we're dealing with this or, mm-hmm. hey, have you seen this before? So we, we deal a lot with each other. Um, some of them are a little more rural than others, but right, again, right. they can bring those experiences that maybe they're seeing. Or if you look at the the largest county, Clark, whatever they're experiencing now for like Washoe, we know we're about five to 10 years behind them. So what issues did they see? How did they address them? Right. And now we can start implementing them a little earlier. Yeah. Well, I think it's fascinating um, personally. I mean, I think there's a whole host of things, you know, in terms of things like, you know, gang, uh, gang related, um, you know, sort of activities um, things like trafficking, you know, human trafficking. I know that that's been a big um, push here in terms of even just advertising. I've seen a lot of advertising and just awareness of it here in Reno. You know, what I'd tell you is is because one thing is we're a 24-hour town. So unlike other cities, you know, where you go and the bars and we have all the other businesses, you know, they shut down at 2 o'clock, right. midnight, 1 we're open 24-7. So, because of the um, casinos or just other, I mean, all the, some of these casinos, establishments. Casinos, bars, yeah. establishments, yeah. whatever it is. And so for us, we have that that type of transient population. Mm-hmm. Um, and then throughout the state of Nevada, we do have, you know, legal legal prostitution, which right. then some sometimes attracts. But we have a lot of special events, too. And, and, you know, what I told people as I was campaigning is, you know, the sex trafficking, human trafficking, 15 years ago when I was in the gang unit, we had it. It was here then. Yeah. Um, and w- what you learn, um, unfortunately, is these individuals that they have a circuit, and they'll travel from. Oh, they'll hit us. They'll go down south. They'll go into other states. They'll circle back through California, and it takes about six months uh, for the circuit. But they work a circuit. So for us, that is a big 
um, focus. Yeah. And for Reno Sparks and Wash, I can tell you we've been in meetings, and hopefully here soon we'll have a regional plan to address that. That's good. Well, I think that's all the policy stuff. We have this uh, section here that we typically okay. do. We call it the, the, the Fast Five for Dads because we want to hear we want to hear a little bit about your background more as a dad than anything else. And I really appreciate your kind of diving in all the policy stuff. So um, first one is, uh, what was your reaction when you first found out you were going to be a dad? Do you remember? I, I, I do. Um, extremely excited, but a little fearful. Right. Um, especially with my first one. If, you know, with your first one, you have no idea what's going to happen. Right. Um, with my second, they were twins. Did so you know ahead of time that it was twins? We did not. And uh, we, we had done, uh, <laughs> for my wife and I, we had done fertility. So they did, you know, there's one. There's two, and I'm, I'm thinking, oh, boy, if I have three or four, I'm going to be in trouble. Yeah. Um, but the excitement of knowing from the first one and even the twins, they're different, and even our fourth one, it's that joy of knowing, you know, you get to relive that those right. special moments over again. Yeah. Have you learned anything or something that you may have learned from your dad that you take with you now in, in your um, time as a dad? Absolutely. Uh, a couple things. One is always treat others as you want to be treated. Uh, and I think the other thing is you always have to work hard. Don't don't expect anybody to hand you something. You know, go out and work for it. Yeah. What um, what about what do you think is your funniest fatherhood moment? If you could just pick one or two. Uh, you know, I, I think the funniest one is during this last campaign. I had the opportunity to do a lip syncing contest, and I am an <laughs> absolute horrible dancer. Right. And so I talked both my twins into dancing, and uh, I, we did. Um, yeah, and I forget it, even who was by, but it was um, one of the rappers. And my son had had these dreads, and he can dance. Okay. And so I, I made them surround me so that you know they they hid kind of my bad dancing, and we had such a blast. And that probably was one of the greatest moments. That's so far. really fun. Yeah, that's really fun. Do you have a favorite part of being a dad? You know, I, I think the favorite part for me is watching as they grow, um, develop their own personalities. Yeah. But also to see how. They become their individuals, and but they've taken lessons that you've taught them. Um, so as you see, you know, as they as they grow up and mature, they're becoming their own per person. Yeah. But you also have to you get to stand back and look and say, you know, I I was a part of that and right. I helped them mentor them. And, and it's sort of surprising, yeah, sort of surprising. Once in a while, they'll they'll repeat something back to you. You said to them five or six years before, and you think, oh, you were actually listening. To Absolutely, that. especially in the teenage years. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I yes. know. I have two teenagers myself. <laughs> yeah, I have a senior in high school as well, so I'm curious. Uh, and then the last thing uh, we, uh, we we were curious about. Um, what do you th what do you hope your children have learned from you by the time they're adults? Like, what are they going to take with them that you've taught them that you hope that they will carry forward with them? You know, I think one of the biggest things is, again, um, and, and sometimes I think in this world we forget it, and that's treating people as you want to be treated with respect. Um, so many times in our, our day and age, uh, you, you see people forget that. Yeah. And, and time and time again. So, you know, that was my biggest thing is that and, and working hard for everything. You yeah. know, um, when they become adults that, hey, if you work hard, you're going to hit those bumps. But just keep your head down, keep pushing forward, and, and you will succeed. Yeah, or a little resilience, you know, teaching Absolutely. them a little grit, a little resilience. 
Yeah. So yeah. those are some of the things I, you know, I hope and, and knock on wood so far, looking at my, my older ones, they've taken that. And, and for a parent, I think that's one of your proudest moments when they hit those graduation from high school. Yeah. And those those milestones, it, it makes you very proud as a parent to know that, you know, you, you played a part in that. I guess it could be kind of funny to show up, you know, for a you know, parent thing at the high school that your kids are at, you know, all in your uniform and people get a little bit worried. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> funny, funny you mentioned that. So uh, they're seniors. Yeah. And so during the campaign, um, my daughter looked at us once, and this would be probably the second funniest moment. She said, you know, Dad, uh, you ruined our senior year. And I said, well, why, what do you mean? She said, well, we don't get invited to parties because they know our dad is running for sheriff. And our mom was a deputy sheriff. So, you know, they blamed their, their senior year. And I'm like, well, at one point, darn it. Um, but I have great teenagers that are very responsible. But, yeah, that was one of the funniest things and of, of showing up. You know, if you go to anything. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, um, thank you so much for coming in. It's been a pleasure. We've uh, covered a lot of ground, and I hope that we can, you know, uh, see you guys out. And I know we'll see the sheriff's department in places. And, you know, we, when we do Reno Dad's events, we'll be inviting folks out to, you know, sort of be a part of that. And really the, the, the thing that I'm taking away from it is, you know, that you guys, I mean, this department is really present in a lot of places around the county for you know for a lot of really good things obviously you're there for law enforcement but there's a lot of a lot of good that's coming out of you know this sort of coordination for these services for folks who really need it the most absolutely and and anything i I would tell any of your listeners too if there's something they want us to partner with that that is absolutely we're here for them so please reach out and we look forward to being there yeah we'll put some links out on our uh, website and we'll tell everybody about it thank you so much for coming in thank you been listening to the Reno Dads podcast on renodads.com. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear from you. Stop by renodads.com and click on contact us and let us know what you think and what you'd like to hear on our show. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at renodads and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. We hope you'll join us here for our next episode and we'll see you online at renodads.com.